0: This is Tech Talk with your host, Tom DiOria. Tom will spend the next hour making your life with technology a little easier with explanations of the different aspects of today's technology and how it can benefit your home, small office, or enterprise. Now here's your host, Tom DiOria. Welcome to IMI's Tech Talk. It's the fourth Sunday of March. It's March twenty 2014. We're on at 6 p.m. in the New York listening area and 3 p.m. in Arizona. And today we're live from our New York offices... We're going to have a very interesting discussion. We're going to talk about Bitcoin's growing pains. I'm not sure the pains are from growing. I think the pains are from something else, but we'll find out with our guest, Carter Doherty. I'm Tom Diori. I'm the CEO of Information Methods Incorporated. And together with our weekly guest, the show will help our listeners whether a business or home technology user make better use of all aspects of technology. Just in case you're a first time listener, in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you with a review of last week's most significant events in technology. We start with our increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this from our industry wide report, which could contain information on conferences, announcements by vendors, new releases of software equipment, or new contract opportunities. One or more guests follow this from many aspects of business and industry, and if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email your suggestions through Tech Talk, that's D-E-C-H-T-A-L-K, at imi-us.com, and we'll get back to you pretty quickly. Anytime after our show introduction, please give us a call or send an email message with questions on today's topic or anything else we might be able to help you with. You can call 277-KFNX, that's 277-5369, and if you're outside the 602 listing area, call us toll-free at one Five three six eleven hundred. You can send uh, email questions to the email address I just gave you, techtalk at imi-us.com. And if you can't get to your radio or being simulcast on the web and you want to listen to us live, go to KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com. And if you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows, you can go to our website, which is imi-us.com. In the upper right-hand corner is the Tech Talk button. Click on that. And you can download all the shows. They're archived there. It's free. You can do it as many times as you want. So uh, please feel free to do that. Send them to your friends. And uh, please call in any time during the show, and we'll try and get you on as quickly as possible. Now, our Week in Review is our first segment. It's compiled by Dan DiOria, Jose Batista, and David Brandon. And uh, first, I uh, want to do a shout-out to uh, Assistant... Police Chief uh, Chuck Dowd, who just received this morning the Holy Name Society Man of the Year Award, uh, went to a uh, mass at St. Patrick's at the cardinal officiated at, and uh, then they had a celebratory dinner, so uh, we do some work with the police department, as you well know, if you're a regular listener, and uh, congratulations to him on that award. Okay. New York City. Snyderman, that's the Attorney General, seeks curbs on high-frequency traders. New York State's Attorney General said U.S. stock uh, exchanges in an alternative trading platform provide high-frequency traders, an unfair technology advantage that gives them early access to key data. It's not a surprise, is it? The stock exchanges allow traders to locate their computer servers or trading venues armed with extra network bandwidth and high-speed switches that give them pricing, volume, and order information ahead of others. The Attorney General has begun meetings with the exchanges and alternative trading venues to discuss reforms. James Engel, a professor at Georgetown University who specializes in regulation of financial markets, said that many high-frequency traders do things that benefit low-frequency investors like himself, such as making sure the exchange trade fund he buys is priced the same as the basket of stocks that go into it. Snyderman's investigation is the latest focus in a probe of Wall Street practices, gives elite groups of traders access to information at the expense of other participants. He also has scrutinized the early release of analyst and consumer sentiment data that uh, well as the market-moving press releases. Okay, drone captures seen at East Harlem Explosion that flattened two buildings. Yes, we covered... Uh, This gas explosion that amazingly, I mean, it was like, uh, they had these two small buildings surrounded by high, other high rises that, uh, just disappeared. It was, it was amazing. Unfortunately, uh, three people were killed, but cell phone cameras, uh, were no match for this high flying drone. Uh, Brian Wilson captured stunning aerial images of buildings planted by an explosion on Park Avenue and East 116th Street thanks to his camera-equipped Whirlybird. Wilson said he uh, heard about the explosion from his roommate and immediately jumped in a cab with his flying camera and headed to the scene. Cops questioned him about his 4-inch blade 3-pound gadget but allowed him to launch. Wilson said he sent the drone up 150 to 200 feet and shot for about 30 minutes before his battery ran down. He said at the end the cops said uh, they'd prefer if I didn't fly in the area anymore, so he stopped. Um, It's interesting. There was a... um, And we're going to do a follow-up on this. At CES last year, I guess uh, this year, we um, saw a a whole bunch of uh, drones and drone-like devices that uh, a whole bunch of uh, different uh, vendors uh, were demonstrating and then, 60 Minutes just did, I believe, last Sunday, a piece on drones with cameras on them, what their capabilities are, which sounds like what this is. And uh, it's pretty amazing how these military—I'm sure that's what they were created for—and and the technology was funded by—are now being used for a lot of other things uh, on the non-military side, so we're going to try and see whether or not that fits into a show format or whether or not we'll just keep, keep, keep giving you updates on it, but you may want to uh, Google that and see what you come up with. Uh, the Wall Street Journal told us that IBM has introduced new software and services to help organizations use big data and analytics to address the $3.5 trillion lost each year to fraud and financial crimes. Through sophisticated business expertise and analytics, organizations can take a holistic approach to address the financial losses caused by fraud while protecting the value of their brands. As part of the news, IBM launched its Smarter Counter Fraud Initiative drawing on the expertise and innovation from more than 500 Ford consulting experts, 294 related research patents, and $24 billion invested in IBM's big data and analytics software and service capabilities since 2005. The initiative extends IBM's leadership in big data and analytics and cloud to help public and private organizations prevent, identify, and investigate fraudulent activities. Journalist and programmer Ken Swanenki created an algorithm that automatically generates a short article when an earthquake occurs. This is according to the BBC. I'm sure they have a lot of uh, earthquakes in London. Uh, Mr. Swanenki told Slate magazine that it uh, took around three minutes for the story to appear online. Robo-journalism is increasingly being used in newsrooms worldwide. The L.A. Times is a pioneer in the technology which draws on trusted sources such as the U.S. Geological Survey and places data into pre-written template, as well as Earthquake Report also uses another algorithm to generate stories about crime in the city, with human editors deciding which ones need greater attention. Other news organizations have experimented with algorithm-based reporting methods in other areas, particularly sports. The generated story does not replace the journalist, Mrs. Swansonecki said, Uh, but instead allows available data to be quickly gathered and disseminated. Let's see, we have something on bottom line personal. Smartphone apps that act as medical diagnostic tools will be regulated by the FDA. These apps include software that enables smartphone to read, patient's heart rhythm, check blood pressure, and monitor sugar levels. So we'll see if the uh, FDA gets into that. Uh, useful websites that are telling us about insurance smarts get the help you need to solve all types of problems related to the homeowner's insurance, flood insurance, dental insurance, and more. United Policy Holders, a nonprofit consumer organization, uphelp.org, or if they help you out with Obamacare. Personal finance calculators determine how much money you will need in retirement, how much house you can afford, the real cost of an auto lease, and more, bankrate.com backslash calculators.aspx, bank giveaways, current cash bonus promotions for opening and maintaining new accounts, mybanktracker.com backslash bank hyphen deals. Online bargains, directory of websites to save on appliances, computers, entertainment, travel, and other purchases, consumerworld.org backslash pages, backslash, bargains.htm. And finally, spring cleaning savvy, user-friendly, room-by-room checklists, plus how to information for making your home sparkle, imperfecthomemaking.com, and click on a thorough spring cleaning checklist. Okay, we're going to take a break, Uh, we're going to get to our guest, and we're going to talk to you about... Bitcoin's growing pain. So please stay tuned. We're gonna be right back after these messages. I'm Tom Dioria. When I my heck talk on KFNX PM eleven hundred, please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Diori. It's the 23rd of March, 2014. And as I promised to you before uh, we took the break, we're going to be talking to you about Bitcoin's growing pains. And our guest is Carter Darty. And he is a consumer and finance digital and currency reporter for Bloomberg News in Washington, specializing in Bitcoin and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Carter joined Bloomberg in 2010, following five years as a European economic correspondent for the International Herald Tribune and the New York Times in Frankfurt, Germany. While there, he was a member of a team that produced the series, The Reckoning, on the origins and effects of the current economic crisis. Carter attended Kalamazoo College and the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Carter, thanks for taking the time to be with us. Uh, we appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, we've discussed Bitcoin a, a number of times on on the show, but I'm sure there are listeners out there that may have just recently read about things going on but may not understand what it's all about. So maybe uh, we can start by just explaining what Bitcoin is. Sure.
1: Bitcoin was invented in
0: uh, 2008 and 2009. It's
1: essentially a uh, clever bit of uh, computer software and It's a digital currency that uses a public ledger, Uh, anybody can see it, uh, to record all the transactions that are made in this currency. And the reason that's an interesting uh, innovation is because typically to confirm transactions, you need a trusted third party. Uh, That's names we recognize, MasterCard, Visa, Western Union, uh, and they 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 perform that service, but they also take a fee for it. And uh, the notable thing about Bitcoin is when you make a transaction in Bitcoin, uh, the fees are very, very minimal. So it, it seems to show all the signs of being a disruptive payments technology. Now, you also have a lot of people who, for one reason or the other, they are uh, skeptical of uh, traditional currencies like the dollar or the euro or the pound or the yen. Uh, And uh, they think this this holds promise
0: as a a currency, one we might use instead of the dollar in the future. Explain that a little bit more. I mean, I I think I understand the part about using it as, in essence, a credit card. Um, But if it's all in the cloud somewhere, where and what is a Bitcoin? I mean, how do I get a Bitcoin if I'm going to trade it as currency?
1: Yeah, there, there are two ways you can get Bitcoin. One is you can use one of the uh, Bitcoin exchanges and you can swap your dollars for Bitcoin. I think one Bitcoin goes for about uh, six hundred bucks right now. Although they can be subdivided to very very small units, so you can you can spend as little or as much as you want. Um, you can also engage in what's known as Bitcoin mining. Now, this is a bit of a misnomer uh, because while this mining process does generate new Bitcoins uh, at a fixed rate, that mining process is also the process by which transactions uh, in this public ledger are confirmed. What essentially the, all, all the, the computers the, in the world that have this public ledger downloaded, they, they scan the whole thing and they make sure, okay, this, this Bitcoin... Uh, hasn't been spent twice it's only been spent once and they record that in the log and in return for performing that useful service they get uh, a, a bit of Bitcoin
0: okay so each Bitcoin in essence has a serial number similar to a paper currency so you can, something you can like tag that yeah it, so you know so it's not uh, so you can't spend it twice how but Explain a little bit more about what you mean by mining. I mean, obviously, I'm not digging a hole in the ground. How do I create a Bitcoin? How do you create
1: a Bitcoin miner? Well, that's a good question. And as I said, it's a bit of a misnomer. Uh, the best way to think about that as is that, whereas a, a Visa, for example, performs that trusted third-party uh, function with their own network, you know, that, that connects all those little. Point of sale terminals where we where we swipe our cards. The Bitcoin network is essentially a lot of computer servers, and uh, you know these these pictures would be familiar to a lot of us. You picture a large room with uh, racks and racks of computer servers uh, all all hooked together. That is that is the mining process, and there are computer servers like that all over the world right now. Uh, it's been estimated that right now there's more computing power on the Bitcoin network than all of the supercomputers in the world combined. Um, so uh, that that concept of mining, it's true in the sense that that's the way you earn rewards uh, and generate new Bitcoins, but uh, the miners are also performing a useful service. They're, they're doing what Visa and MasterCard do with their networks. They're making sure you didn't spend the same money twice.
0: Gotcha. Now how, I mean, the miners are the people with the servers. Who controls the Bitcoin servers?
1: Exactly. The miners are the, are people who control these, these large servers. And it's, it's a lot of people. They sometimes organize into groups, um, so that they're, you know, roughly speaking, sort of eight groups of miners, uh, and in our, decentralized world you can you can set up a server anywhere in the world you want and by you know tapping a few numbers into a into a screen you can you can choose which sort of mining group you want to join
0: now if I buy a Bitcoin and I trade my dollars for it is is that a variable amount for for the Bitcoin or is it a you know a set amount uh, how does it vary well it it it's going to be the amount that that exchange
1: gives you at that moment in time. You know, let's say for the sake of argument, you uh, pony up about $300. That gets you about half of Bitcoin right now. Now, Bitcoin has measured in the value of the U.S. dollar a really, really volatile currency. It has, it has been as low as in the single digits, uh, you know, late, late 2012 or so. It got as high as twelve hundred bucks for Bitcoin uh, in December, and it's now settled into around uh, six hundred. So you got to have a you got to have a certain stomach for owning Bitcoins. It can be a
0: it can be a roller coaster. Oh, so I could have made money on buying Bitcoins, but also could have lost money then. So that's a oh yeah definitely. So that's, it's, so a, it's, a, it's a risky thing. It's not as even though the dollar may vary and in 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 value if I can buy uh, I don't know if you can buy a cup of coffee for a dollar but let's say I could today and the dollar fluctuates tomorrow I can still buy that cup of coffee for a dollar most likely no so that's yeah. an interesting uh, that's an interesting situation um, I want to get into uh, we've only got a, a minute left in this segment but uh, I want to get into a little bit more about the uses of Bitcoin but uh, We've got a a question for you here that uh, I'm not sure you can answer in the minute we have left, but what's the Silk Road and how is Bitcoin involved?
1: Well, the Silk Road was, it no longer exists. It was an online black market for things like uh, weapons and in particular drugs, and you had to pay in Bitcoins, but the feds shut that one down last fall.
0: Okay, so that's... I guess that's a uh, uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is that why this got started, and was it for uh, nefarious uses or to get around currencies or or the like? So I guess that partially answers that question, but uh, hold that thought. We're going to take a break. I'm talking uh, with Carter Doherty about Bitcoin's growing pains. Uh, it's the 23rd of March, 2014. This is IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. Please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after the break. Welcome back to I Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Dioria. It's March 23rd, 2014, and uh, we're talking to Carter Doherty about Bitcoin's growing pains. Um, so let me back up a little bit, and maybe you can tell us, uh, you just gave us one example uh, of Bitcoins being used to illegally purchase weapons. Are there other nefarious uses of, of Bitcoins? Why was it started? I mean, what, who, what idea was there to do this? Why was Silk Road started? Well, why was Bitcoin started? Just to get around people being able to dollars? No, I mean, there's,
1: there's no reason to believe Bitcoin was developed specifically for, for nefarious purposes. Silk Road was a, you know, a, I mean, you'll hear the cops say that uh, criminals tend to be early adapters of new technologies uh, that might let them evade the law. And that seems to be what happened in this case. But Bitcoin was developed. It was first uh, outlined in a paper uh, by someone using the name Satoshi Nakamoto, sounds like a Japanese name, but maybe a person, maybe a group of people. That was in 2008, and that was, uh, outlining this concept that I described in the earlier segment of using a public ledger to confirm transactions, uh, to prevent what's known as the double spending problem, you know, to make sure uh, to, to play that role that a Visa or MasterCard might play in, in today's economy. And then in 2009, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto released the first version of the Bitcoin software and sort of set this mining process in motion. Uh, and it's, it's been going ever since. It's uh, so far proved to be remarkably resilient. Uh, a lot of people have tried to hack it, tried to figure out whether there are particular nasty weaknesses in it that would be fatal to the concept. And, and so far, it seems to have uh, stood up fairly well.
0: We read in the paper recently, um, this week as a matter, of, or last week I guess as a matter of fact, about Mount Gox. G-O-X did I pronounce that yep. right? They went bankrupt. How does one go bankrupt, and what happened there?
1: Well, we don't know the full story of exactly what happened at Mount Gox, um, but what we do know is that Mount Gox engaged. It's probably a combination of a managerial issue and a, and a technical one. Mt. Gox used a a custom implementation of the Bitcoin software, uh, something that only people at Mt. Gox were were terribly familiar with. And that somehow interacted with what seemed to be kind of sloppy management practices, and it let some hackers sneak in and steal, as near as we can tell, most of the Bitcoins that the company was holding on behalf of of users. Uh, Now, the company announced yesterday that they think they recovered about 200,000 Bitcoins, uh, but they lost, they initially said they lost about 850,000 Bitcoins, which at the time was roughly half a billion dollars, quite a lot of money.
0: Now, wouldn't that be hard to do if all of these are tagged with some kind of electronic serial number? I mean, if you try to spend one, wouldn't you get caught?
1: Well, it's all a matter of knowing what the bad guys started with. So it's possible, I emphasize possible, that Mt. Gox has been able to trace where those coins went. But we as the public, we don't have access to exactly what Mt. Gox, what those coins were that Mt. Gox uh, had in its online so-called wallet. Um, further complicating the fact is that the theft seemed to have gone on for possibly a number of years. And that has, that would make it, could make it difficult over time to, to recover those coins because they would have been spent, maybe divided up, spent again and over and over and over. So, uh, what you're saying is not wrong, but we just don't have the, the right information to, to nail that one down yet.
0: I gather one of the advantages of of, or ease of use of of Bitcoin is that there's been little or no regulation as with currency, and uh, we reported uh, last week in our Week in Review that New York is moving ahead uh, to do a bit license so they can... Government regulation in, into that. Can you tell us a little bit about what you know about that and what's that all about? Yeah, that's, uh, do... that's
1: being spearheaded by a guy named Benjamin Loskey. He's the superintendent of the New York Department of Financial Services, and he's come up with this label, the Bit License. Um, but essentially, uh, what has happened is the federal government took a look at this, the banking regulators, and they said, although Bitcoin kind of kind of breaks up, breaks with Some definitions we're we're used to. That, generally speaking, it looks like Bitcoin companies are are uh, money transmitters. So they said, if and money transmitters have traditionally been regulated by the states. You think of a a payday lender or a check cashing business or a a remittance provider like a a Western Union. Those have always been regulated by the states. They've been considered uh, mostly local businesses. So. Lossky is creating a category of licenses for for digital currency companies that, that deal with Bitcoin. Now he hasn't said precisely how this is going to look, but uh, broadly speaking, it's going to it's going to include such things as uh, rules to guard against uh, consumer abuse and fraud,
0: and rules aimed
1: at stopping money laundering.
0: How does he get control of of the transactions since they're electronic and may not be you know, the servers may not be in New York. I mean, does he still have uh, legal authority to do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, uh, if you want to be a money transmitter and dealing with New York citizens, then you have to be licensed in New York. Doing, you're doing business in New York if you're dealing with New Yorkers. And uh, you can't just... It's not going to be practical for any business
0: to, to deal New York out
1: of their, their
0: business model. That would make no sense. Well, I guess that, that uh, leads me to a question is, who accepts Bitcoin's? That being the case, are there a lot of them in New York?
1: Well, there are a lot of there are people who are working in New York who want to develop uh, companies around Bitcoin. So that's the important part. Uh, they would need licenses. As for acceptance of Bitcoin, there you're basically talking about retailers, and at this point, uh, there are quite a lot of retailers. Most of them small, but some some bigger players who are accepting Bitcoin. The most notable notably large retailer that's accepting Bitcoin is the online e-commerce company, Overstock.com.
0: Okay, and uh, I gather they accept either traditional forms of payment or now they're accepting Bitcoin. So um, you mentioned before about how to acquire Bitcoins, but maybe you can go into um, a little bit more about if I, if I want to buy a Bitcoin who do I go to? Do I just Google Bitcoin on the web and and uh, it'll tell me some places I can go to to do them $600 to get a Bitcoin?
1: Well, as wonderful as Google is, that's probably not the, the brightest idea. You know, I emphasize this this ecosystem is in, in flux, so all sorts of things can change. But you can take, for example, uh, there's a website called localbitcoins.com which puts together buyers and sellers of Bitcoins you can say, uh, I wanna, I wanna buy 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin, and somebody in your, typically in your geographical area will let you know that they've got something to sell, let you know a price, and it can happen in various ways. You can, you can actually meet somebody in person, and they can transmit them to you in person at a Starbucks. It's been done. Uh, How does or that work? Can is there a physical point. Deposit- Deposit cash into uh, into a bank account. Transfer of bitcoins is typically done. I say typically because there there are a couple different ways to do it, but typically done uh, by you have a what's called a wallet, an online wallet. There are companies that will store your bitcoins for you online, and the way you move them is you use a QR code to indicate that this is your account. QR codes are those square pixelated. Images that you're, you're, you start to see popping up on uh, posters and then magazines and the sort of thing. They, they shoot a quick, shoot out a quick bit of. You scan them with your phone and then you get the quick uh, bit of bit of code that tells you how to access this Bitcoin and then you you send it to the to the person you're selling to.
0: Okay, we're going to take a break. Um, we're talking oh. to Carter Darty about Bitcoin's growing pains. And uh, we're live on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. And we're going to be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. Welcome back to IMI Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiOria. It's the 23rd of March, 2014. We're talking about Bitcoin's growing pain with our guest, Carter Daugherty. And uh, Carter, if our listeners want to follow up with you on this, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Well, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, My handle is at CarterD. You can also go to Bloomberg.com. There's an interesting uh, document there. It's We call it a Bloomberg, we call it a quick take. If you uh, Google Bloomberg and quick take all spelled together, you'll get this. And that's essentially, it's a, it's a two-page primer about Bitcoin. Uh, tell you tell you some of the basics, and it'll give you some links to recent stories that they've written. Uh, and every one of those stories has my email address on it, too. So if, you, if you're glutton for punishment, there's plenty for you there. <laughs> okay, great.
0: Um, let's see. So are, are investors like Warren Buffett involved in this?
1: Uh, Warren Buffett is definitely a Bitcoin skeptic. He, he said that, said so uh, a couple of days ago, but there are unquestionably some investors with serious financial power, firepower behind this. Um, uh, Excel Ventures is, is one of them. It's a, a well-known venture capital firm. Lightspeed Ventures is a, another one. There's a big... Publicly listed company called Fortress Investment Group, based in New York, they're investing in bitcoins. So is a, uh, uh, a kind of new hedge fund, new in the bitcoins area anyway, uh, called Pantera Capital in San Francisco. Um, I could go on. There's a lot of lot of lot of small angel investors, as they're known, who are interested in bitcoin, but uh, the big ones are certainly coming on board.
0: And if if listeners want to. You know, they buy a Bitcoin through, um, you know, either one of the mechanisms that you mentioned or, or somehow get them. How do they find out what they're worth? I mean, is, there, is it listed anywhere? I mean, how do you know if your Bitcoin's there's, gone up or down?
1: And there's a couple of places you can you can see prices. And, of course, you know, the price will, will vary from uh, place to place, depending on what the buyers and sellers are doing. But a good place to go is Coindesk.com. They have uh, an index of Bitcoin prices. It puts them together from a, a couple of different places, and uh, it's got a nice interactive tool. You can, you can take a look at how the price has risen and fallen over time, uh, and that'll tell you the price of your Bitcoin.
0: Now, is, is there also a listing somewhere where I can find out who accepts Bitcoins? Or do I just have to ask individual, like Amazon.com? I mean, do they accept Bitcoins?
1: they do not. Um, There there are a couple of different sites that you can go on. I I believe if you Googled uh, who accepts Bitcoin, you will uh, get quite a few answers to that. Um, There's a website, spendbitcoins.com, that uh, does a pretty good job of listing listing quite a number of of merchants who will accept them.
0: Now, we had talked about overstock.com. Um as being one of the bigger ones I get. Um do you have any experience I mean, do you use bitcoins yourself?
1: Well, the ethical rule ethics rules at Bloomberg prevent me from getting too deep into Bitcoin. I have about mm, maybe sixty or seventy dollars worth of Bitcoin at this point in time. So I've I, I've bought a small thing and uh you know, I've played around with it a bit, but I'm not a I'm not a
0: big Bitcoin user just because I'm, I'm not allowed to own a whole bunch. Uh, can you tell us what you typically, if you typically use them, what you use them on in a small way? I'm just trying to get a feel for why people would want to do this.
1: Well, there's a, there's a couple reasons why you might want to do this. And the first one has to do with the retailers. And the retailers in general say that the reason they want to do this is because it's cheaper. Now, when you swipe your debit card at a a point of sale terminal, the merchant typically pays about 3% in fees and fraud charges uh, for you you using your debit card. So there are a number of merchants who like it when people use Bitcoin because the fees are typically a tiny bit less than 1%, depending on the amount involved. So the merchants like it for that reason, and they they encourage uh, consumers to to use Bitcoin. Why why you might yourself might use Bitcoin? There are all sorts of all sorts of different reasons. Um, you know, I'll give you an example that, uh, for example, the uh, adult entertainment industry, pornography, likes Bitcoin, and there are a couple sites that accept it. and It's not hard to imagine the reason. It's very anonymous, uh, or rather, your identity is. It was kind of hard to discover, so some people might prefer it for that. Other people may have simply benefited; they bought Bitcoin early, um, or they mined it when it was very low, and now it's worth a lot more than, than when they first bought it for. Uh, and so they have a they have a financial interest in spending it. They want to they want to turn that that smart investment early on into something they can use, whether it's a a toaster or a cup of coffee.
0: So if I don't want to go to overstock.com, can I, if I say I make a, you know, say Bitcoin makes me some, uh, more Bitcoins, uh, can I cash it in?
1: Well, yeah, that's what the, uh, that's what these exchanges are for, like, uh, Mt. Cox, for example, or, uh, or the one I mentioned to you, local Bitcoins, you know, you register as a seller and say, hey, I've got a, got a few Bitcoins. Who's interested?
0: So you do it yourself as opposed to, uh, bringing them somewhere and having the money automatically flow. I guess you could do it two ways you mentioned, you know, meet somebody or have. Them. What do you think the future of this is?
1: Well, it will be... That's a good question. Uh, right now, I would say that the, the the heavy heavy money is on investing in Bitcoin because it is a more secure and less expensive technology for making payments Than we currently have today. Now you got to you got to caveat that it's it's still a small system relative to you know a Visa or Mastercard. You know we're talking about millions of transactions, uh, you know, an hour if not a minute. Bitcoin the Bitcoin network can't really handle that right now. So I think you can expect a lot of investment in this overall infrastructure that's designed to make Bitcoin accessible to a lot more people and a, and a lot more merchants. As for the price of Bitcoin, boy, you're on your own there. I mean, it's, it's been volatile. It, it can go up, it can go down. It's been quiet for the last couple of months, but uh, that is, I'm not getting the business, getting the business of uh, predicting that one.